0: Namo tasa pakavato arhato sama samputasa Namo tasa pakavato arhato sama samputasa Namo tasa pakavato arhato sama samputasa Putang damang sankandamasami So we have our fortnightly rituals where we determine to live by the standards of Pronunciation, monastic life, communal harmony, and so on. So, let people have a chance to consider the eight precepts. We have considered our uh, own vinaya uh, uh, commitments, how we're going to live, and these are constants in our in our uh, in our life here in community. Constant reminders, constant. Sense of direction, um, seeing the robe, seeing the shrine, uh, having the rituals of chanting, of remembering someone who is going to have an operation, thinking of them. Um, these are the repetitions of our of our life, which are not so much ex- uh, they're not exciting, obviously, but they're very grounding, very kind of steady, steady. Um, Uh, Forms and and, uh, rituals and agreements that we have in in this kind of community. And I think we're very fortunate in that way. So these forms are not dependent on style. They're not dependent on fashion. They're not really dependent on economics. They're not dependent on psychological fads or or, or, um, they're not dependent on just uh, the inspiration of the moment. They're, They're sort of more like eternals that just keep going, no matter who's here. So whether it's this group of monks and lay people or another group of monks and lay people, um, this form and tradition has a has a has a beauty and strength of its own, and we sort of plug into that. And so there's a sense of I think there's a sense of impersonality in it, not in a bad way, but in a way which is I think very refreshing, because it's not like in our chanting we don't have a caruso voice, one solo that, um, well we had a short solo, calling the paritas, but it's not like individual expression, it's more expression of harmony. Uh, the way we share our food, um, the way we, we pay deference according to seniority, uh, the way we share the work and the responsibilities these are all uh, a very beautiful way to lay down egotism, uh, to, to lay down the sense of uh, narcissism and self-concern that so much of cultures can be caught up into. We still have those things, but now we have a form and a structure within which we can uh, offer our services, uh, try to help out and reflect and watch how this kind of... a Lifestyle affects us as human beings, so we don't have to. Uh, we don't change the the structures and rules every weekend or something like that. We don't try to figure out what are we going to do this weekend. Let's have a good time. Let's go do this or that. We just do. What we do day in and day out, and that as has. A, if you if you reflect on it, it's a very calming effect. We're lucky that way, um, but one has to just use it. It's not, it's not a given one has to use it skillfully and so this day is emblematic of that uh, and obviously for lay people who are then going home uh, tomorrow next day or whatever then the five precepts are the norm but uh, monastic life it's the eight precepts we've been preparing for um, this visit of Mont and and in a monastery like not. We usually have one or two large gatherings like this a year, and they are. I see them as a way of not just welcoming Longpaliam, but it's a way of offer, offering something for our lay friends. Because the people that come to these big gatherings, some of them we only see once a year. Um, some are so busy to come here, or they come from far distances, so. There's significant events for uh, many people who don't have a chance to come here regularly, and yet, and I people even write to me. They just say, "I'm, I'm so glad to know that you're there. This monastery is there practicing." Some people will hear about a, a some pra- like retreat that we're in house retreat we're doing here. They'll read about the schedule and they'll try to keep a similar schedule at home. So we have an effect on people which we sometimes don't realize as individuals and uh, it's it's an important place an important place for many people and and so this these sikatina and this kind of a day is a day that we can practice generosity and we have you know this past past month we've been working very hard and we've accomplished a lot a lot of things have been very skillfully uh, done and uh, so reflect this is a, one of the ways that we as a community can uh, offer dana through our work and through our trying to prepare this place to make it beautiful for this day it's a lot of work and it's a it's a few days of, of, of visits but i think it's well worth it and that contrasts to the winter retreat In the winter retreat we we're given so much especially as monastics we have we are on space we are supplied food people will help We'll shovel the snow for us and our only duty is to be diligent in our meditation and study and so that that's a good one to keep in the back of your mind you know, I had that opportunity for a winter retreat now I have this opportunity to serve and to give and to practice dhanabharami and that's a good balance isn't it you know, we, have, we have different kinds of possibilities and then after lumpolium leaves, it'll quiet down a bit, and then the Catina will have another um, preparation for that. And that's the kind of yearly cycle this kind of a monastery has: times of solitude, times of of retreat, times of busyness, times of activity, times of uh, a lot of engagement with people, times of very very little engagement with people. And to see oneself in all those uh, venues, in all those situations, and find peace within all of them is the challenge of this kind of monastic life. Uh, so, one particular situation is more difficult than another. That's, that's of course, where we learn. The, um, our our as I always like to reflect, we live this double life in Buddhism. We live the life of, of, of social responsibility and social engagement, and we live the life of inner reflection. This is a kind of dual way of, of, of uh, functioning at the same moment. So not only am I talking to you right now, I'm also observing what my mind is doing. Not only am I trying to express some ideas, I'm, I'm noticing maybe where should I go with this, or what should I say? I can do both, can't I? I can speak, and I can notice the impulses behind the speech. Um, If I'm in a... I'm not right now, but if I'm in a terribly bad mood, and I have to give a talk on this kind of situation, and that bad mood wants to leak out, if I'm I'm skillful, I can see, oh, that's, that's aversion, and I can speak from non-aversion, even while the aversion's there. We can all do that. And we have this capacity both to engage socially and to notice the moods of the mind. And that we, we're sharpening that all the time. We're becoming uh, terribly skilled at uh, inner reflection and uh, outer expression through skill. Now, this isn't just thinking about yourself all the time, is it? It's not just um, being narcissistic and self-concerned it's just noticing movement of consciousness how, how things work how they operate and what's skillful and unskillful i was uh, walking through the beautifully cut paths and we have this new path from the long beaver pond to the big open beaver pond it's so lovely been waiting for that for 9 years and so uh, and it felt fairly tick-free I was walking through there and as I, I came from the uh, large the long beaver pond I was approaching the uh, just the beginnings of the, the wetland uh, uh, on, a, on the large beaver pond and I flushed out a uh, snipe snipe that birdie here anyway <laughs> I won't describe but uh, uh, it quite surprised me. It was It was. It was just camouflaged in the, in the brush, to the side of the road, and I almost, almost stepped on it and flushed out, and I, I saw it fly away. Um, and and that is, um, that. That noticing, how do I how do how do I notice something? Something is different. There's a change. I notice uh, you know walking along, and everything seems um, a certain sound and a certain color, and all is well ordered. And then all of a sudden, there's a strong change. There's a movement. There's a sound—the sound of the wings. The movement of the bird. I see the bird. And this is happening all the time, isn't it? That uh, um, there's movement, not only in the environment, there's movement in our in our minds. And this capacity to notice movement, um, to notice the the movement of things and not be simply swept up by movement is very much our challenge, I think, in the reflective life, in the contemplative life. Mm. And one of the ways we are asked to consider our our world is through... uh, one of well, one of the ways we could say like I'm walking through the 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 uh, along the path, and all of a sudden I'm startled. So I could say I was startled by the bird, or I saw the snipe, or wasn't that great? Which is true, which is conventionally true. And another way to to and we're asked to use perception is to see that with with sudden movement as condition there's a startled feeling in the mind. And this, we, this is the, the way to, to look at your experience, not through a sense of self, but through cause and effect, or through dependent origination. And the way that's formulated is that with this being, that comes to be. When there's this, then there's that. This not being, that does not come to be. Without this, there's not that. Simple formula, very simple formula. It's a formula in nature. So, um, if I switch the light switch on, I get the light. This being that comes to be. With this, there's that. Switch the light off. That not being, electricity not being, that doesn't come to be the light. is not on. And this is this is the way we try to observe our conscious experience to get out of the uh, self-view to get out of the torment of self-view this being that comes to be with this there is that interest say, say I feel interest in something or bored now conventionally you can say I'm really interested in this I really find this interesting I really like to do that and this I really find boring I don't like to do that it's true, true but in a reflective way if you step back there's a way of observing this movement in consciousness in a way which is more freeing and that is that with this being that comes to be with this there's that that not being that does not come to be without this there's not that so let's say I was reading about hawks today and yesterday and they are the ultimate killing machines fascinating here's this monk reading about killing machines and uh, I was reading just this afternoon that the uh, the hawk kills with its talons and I thought it, I thought it killed with its beak but the beak is just used to rip the flesh apart and the talons and, and the hawk tends to have a very a long leg and then the talons grab the chipmunk or the grouse or whatever animal and crushes it The nails dig in and crushes it, either uh, uh, stabs its heart or lungs, It just crushes a thing. And the the arms are very long, so that the animal, when it's fighting for its life, doesn't hurt the hawk. For some reason, I find that interesting, fascinating. If you asked me to read tax law for Ontario, I probably wouldn't be interested. I I would find it difficult to read two sentences of tax law. So, I like birds, I don't like tax law. True. But also, just to turn when we're observing how our minds work, the Buddha asked us to consider this way of perception. So, with uh, hawk description as condition, there is interest. Without hawk description, there isn't the same interest. With tax law papers as condition, there is boredom. And this is operating all the time. Dependent origination, up around them. But we tend to take it personally. So if, if you're working in the kitchen, let's say you've all been working in the kitchen a long time and you kind of work together really nice, and then maybe next week someone comes along and tells you how to cut the carrots. Let's say, tells tell Austin, who was actually a professional cook, say Austin, you're cutting the carrots wrong. Now, Austin, maybe he's a really cool guy, but maybe there's a flicker there. Maybe there's a flicker, I don't know. I don't know you that well, Austin. <laughs> but let's say there is a flicker in um, whoever the cook happens to be, a flicker of annoyance. Because, why? Because the, with this as condition, uh, a harsh judgment, say, this being, that comes to be, the sense of the irritation. You take it personally, it's that idiot. I've been working here for months. I'm a professional cook. This guy doesn't know how to sharpen a knife. That's taking it personally, not seeing it. It's just, it's just dependently originated, that's all. With this as condition, that comes to be this being, there's that. With this, there is that. This not being, this does not come to be without well, this, there's not that. It's very simple. But that simplicity escapes us because we get caught up in ego views. In self views and in the habits of the mind, and one of the the things I find very interesting about Buddhism, it's 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 asking us to to use our our, our perceptions in very uh, interesting way, very unique ways. So to 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 see that relationship happening, to see oh, this has conditioned that arises when there is this, there is that, is liberating. It still might feel annoying. And it still might kind of get up my craw and get up my, you know, get annoyed or whatever. But I say, oh no, annoyance, with this as condition, annoyance arises. This being that comes to be. When there's this, there's that. And then this person leaves the monastery and everyone then speaks in a more kind way. And and this not being that does not come to be. Without this, there's not that. Dependent origination. And that's the way Buddhism deals with the sense of self. What replaces the sense of self? Because uh, there's still something going on. The emotions are functioning. Body's still feeling uh, pain, and uh, there are still memories, and, and um, mind can worry, and there's still sights and sounds. So. You can't say there's nothing, and that's one of the difficulties with teachings around self and not-self, is that uh, if you take a sort of absolute statement, there is no self, it sounds like there's nothing. But there is something going on. There's still heat, feeling of the fan, and and, uh, feeling of being um, hurt, or feeling of being inspired, interested, bored. These are movements that take place in consciousness. And there's, they are just natural. They're very natural. Just like um, the uh, the hawk catching a grouse and killing it is natural. Uh, it's vicious, but viciousness is natural. It's a natural condition. So we we um, we want to, in our inner reflective life, we want to. Develop the capacity to to perceive in the ways of Dharma, rather than than be caught in the ways of self. And when you know when when the inner world is producing a whole lot of self thinking, then we've lost that perspective. So it might be like uh, fantasizing or lustful thoughts or uh, resentful thoughts or frightening thoughts or you know just this kind of huge production of thinking, very much based on me and other, me and mine, and that, that's a sign of of not seeing dependent origination, not seeing it correctly. Or we say ignorance. With ignorance as condition, there's that running on of thought, running on and on and on, all kinds of ways of suffering. Or as as, uh, Lompu Atalo would say, the mind sent out is the cause The result of the mind sent outside is suffering. Venable Attila was named after the monk who said that. That's why I named him because I like that phrase so much. The mind sent outside is the cause. The result of the mind sent outside is suffering. So, I'm in the kitchen and I've been cutting carrots since (laughs) I was a, a youngster and then some Smart Alec person comes and tells me how to cut carrots. And I feel the I feel the annoyance. I, I, the annoyance arises. And then my mind goes out, my attention goes out to the annoyance. I become annoyed, and that's suffering. The mind sent outside is the cause, the result of the mind sent outside is suffering. And then I'm cutting the carrots and feeling resentful and then all of a sudden I notice, whoa, with this as condition, resentment arises, this being that comes to be. I notice my mind, I notice. I am aware of awareness. The mind knowing the mind is the path. The result of the mind knowing the mind is the end of suffering. Now, the annoyance can still have an echo because of its sort of karma of being vulnerable in some kind of a way, but the real the real suffering of self is gone there. It's just knowing all oh, annoyance is this way. One needs patience and endurance and all the rest of it. But now the mind, knowing the mind, is the end of suffering. And this is happening all the time, isn't it? It's happening all the time. It's not just a one off occasion in the in the kitchen. There's many, many instances of this. It might be just a memory. So some kind of memorious condition one might feel really regretful. Maybe I did. I, I hurt someone last week, and memory comes up, and um. this being that comes to be, and what comes to be is maybe feelings of guilt, or remorse, or regret. Oh, I shouldn't have done this, or I shouldn't have done that, or maybe I shouldn't have done. With well, this as condition, memory as condition, that comes to be, and if I see it like that, oh, it's just memory. Memory creates the guilt memory stimulates the sense of guilt and then knowing that there is no self in that the mind knowing the mind is the path the result of the mind knowing the mind is the end of suffering or uh, memory comes up of having done something inappropriate and then the memory uh, stimulates sense of I and and the the uh, mind goes is sent outside to the guilt and thinking spins around in guilty feelings, self disparaging feelings. The mind sent outside is the cause. The result of the mind sent outside is suffering, hmm? happening all the time, happening all the time. And this is a very, uh, mind's very quick. This stuff is very, very quick. And we're trying to, to um, develop the capacity of quickness, really. To, it has this kind of astuteness to what's really happening inside. It's not self-analysis. It's not. it's not. It's like seeing the bird. You notice. You know. You know what's going on in mind and body. It's a quickness of of awareness, and encouraging this kind of perception is very, very helpful. This being that comes to be with this there, I mean, there's this there's that. This not being that does not come to be. So when when does the sense of self arise? How does that arise? Uh, with what as conditions the sense of self arise? Well, if you have no space in your mind, it seems like it's always there. If the mind is always just muttering on, uh, worrying and resenting and um, maneuvering and hoping and regretting and whatever it is, um, there's no space there. There's no space. It just seems that the sense of self is a kind of permanent entity, always struggling with life. So we meditate. In meditation, one of the things we're trying to do is get to the space of no thought or no self, to start to get some kind of a contrast in the mind. Contrast is good. In photography, you have shadow, you have light. Same in your mind, you have shadow light. So light is is, is like seeing the end of thought, seeing the end of self. Because when you just, again, I I repeat this again and again, but when you just listen, where you just look out your window, and you're not striving to become anything, get anything, go anywhere, read anything, figure anything out, get rid of. You're not becoming. You just notice. Well, there's listening, there's intelligence, but there isn't a real sense of self there. There's just things as they are, and that you know, starting to get that contrast. Uh, in 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 the state of what I like to use a lot is the non the non words, non desire, non becoming non-aversion, non-ignorance. Those things are there, or those possibilities are there. It's all one possibility, really. They're there, but we don't notice them when we're so caught up in self-thinking. So in our meditation, hopefully that's one of the things we're touching, is, is the, 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 uh, a consciousness which is not self-bound, self-becoming, uh, not caught up in constant self-analysis or, whatever's going on. So it's like a gap, or a space, or a silence. And then, once you start to notice non-becoming, then you notice becoming bitter. Because it's kind of like me walking through the bush. And you use bush in, in New Zealand. Here you use through the forest. <laughs> uh, walking through, through the pathway, uh, the mind was quiet, and nature was quiet, and all of a sudden there's noise. It arises. So there's a contrast from, from a kind of passive state to a really active state in the mind. And I notice that. I notice the bird. Not just because of the bird, because there's contrast. If our minds are just consumed by self-thinking and all the rest of it, um, we're not going to notice much. You know, things will just, just be one one trip after another. So we meditate. We meditate not in order to become anything, but in order to see the, the state of relaxed attention, uh, the way of non-becoming, the space of non-resistance, uh, rather than just always striving to get something and get rid of something. And once that relaxed state of brightness and awareness is becomes accessible, available, understood, um, practiced much, uh, have faith in uh, then the, the little snipes that come up in your mind um, or the emotions or whatever, they're seen more clearly as dependently originated. This being that comes to be. You see, it's not really you. It's not a real person. It's like a flow of things which have karmic potential, have conditioning in them that arise when cause and conditions are such that they do arise. This leads to peace. But what are the causes and conditions which would help in that? Well, if you look at the things we're encouraged to develop, they're all about non-desire. If you look at patience, it's about non-desire. If you look at compassion, it's about non-desire. If you look at wisdom, it's about non-desire. They're all about non-desire. So these are the factors that create this kind of stability of awakeness, the paramitas. And one question that comes up, which I think is the most interesting question, how can you realize the uncaused through causes? Is anyone listening to that? Anyone awake to that? Listen to this. How can you realize the uncaused through causes? if you've really pondered this teaching, if you've really taken the deathless as your goal, you should have asked this question of yourself long ago. I think you have. I hope so. There is the unconditioned, the uncreated, the unoriginated, the unformed, the deathless, island, peace, nibbana. And so how can you realize the unconditioned through conditions? How can you realize the causeless through causes? How can any causes create the uncaused the unconditioned? Have you asked yourself that? And have you got to? Do, do you know the answer? <laughs> Not that I want you to answer, but this is an important question. Because it, it kind of, first of all, it reflects how deeply you've thought about this teaching. If you've really thought deeply about this teaching, then you've you've you've, te- you've, you've really pondered uh, the Buddha's realization and the way he talks about that, and that's one of the ways he talks about it: the uncaused. So desire, desire is always uh, something which is seeking cause things, things which change, and the uncaused can only be realized when the mind is relaxed, and there is no more interference it's a letting go and then you can't do anything because in the very fact of me trying to do something is still searching for something so we we, we develop the paramitas and then go beyond the very development of paramitas so the paramitas and all these things we talk about are the method but they're not the goal the goal comes of itself so we have ideas like in we have the ideas of um, the use in epiphanies, and they have this kind of language in Christianity, uh, grace. And it was one of the first questions we were asked. There was a vicar at Chitterst, and uh, a very good man, very eclect- uh, ecumenical mind, and very welcoming to us at Chitterst. Many people were not welcoming at Chith- in, in West Sussex. and. He asked us once, he said, what's grace? What's grace in Buddhism? And none of us could really answer that very, very well. But it comes, that idea comes in the sense of letting go. The abandonment of of desire. Letting go, letting go, letting go. And all the, the paramitas, compassion, all that, are, are aspects of helping that the letting go. And then le- within the letting go, there can be no striving. There can be no striving. That's very hard, very hard to do. So much of our life is based on striving and getting and becoming and, and so on. So the, the perceptions that we're, we're, we're asked to consider, um, dependent origination, anicca dukkha nata, all these perceptions set up a way of awareness which is not dependent on causes and conditions. So dependent origination, one of the points of that is to say, well, if all these things are dependently originated, what is independent? What is not dependent? And that you can only do by watching change and abiding is that, awareness, without desire, non-desire. So all this language, non-desire, non-becoming, non-resistance, emptiness, dependent origination, Anicca, Dukha, Nata, all these are coming to the same thing, but the place of letting go. The place of letting go, the place of non-attachment. And then just to see what happens when you do that. And in that space of non-attachment, it can seem very gray. It seems like nothing's happening. And then the Zara mind wants something to happen. And so we often lack patience. But if we have the, the experience, I think, and wisdom, understanding, insight, to see that there can this the goal or the realization cannot be through becoming. It has to be through being. You come more and more to awareness of change is the only thing you can really do. And see what happens. See what happens with that. Alright, I'll leave that for your reflection. <clears throat> I do